How does appreciation feel to you? A rising rush of warmth? A building wave of confidence? At Reward Gateway Edenred, we know appreciation appreciates in value. Starting with people, radiating through companies to transform their performance and productivity. Capture the power of appreciation with our total employee experience platform. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the reward-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Are you ready for retirement? Whether you're hoping to retire in 50 years' time or 50 weeks, financial planning is the obvious form of preparation. But how can you ensure your investment strategy stays on track? Plus, first-time buyers get a boost from help to buy, but should the government consider aiming a tax break at the last-time buyers to help more of them downsize? And finally, meet FT Money's newest columnist, Jane Owen, whose debut column, The Invisible Woman, rails against ageism in our society. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, bringing you this week's money news. The closing weeks of ISA season, played out against a backdrop of Brexit-related uncertainty, plays havoc with the nerves of investors. Whatever you're saving for, FT Money columnist Jason Butler has stressed the need to focus on the long term in his latest column, and he joins me on the line now. Welcome, Jason. Hello, Claire. So you stress in your column this week that investment is very much a long-term game. Can you briefly tell us why? Well, it depends. Obviously, if you're if you're saving up for something for the next couple of months, and that's obviously not long-term. But for most of us, we're looking to convert our human capital, what we what we earn, into financial capital. So when we don't or can't work anymore, we've got money to fall back on. And to a lesser extent, other goals like funding children through university education, etc., so the reality for most of us is we're trying to fund a 100-year life um, and uh, for the time when we can't work. So, so we're really having to think to ourselves when we're saving for those objectives, what's happening in the next week, month, year, or even next decade is of little consequence. It becomes more of a consequence, though, when you move into drawing off of your money when you're older. And you explain in your article this week how the power of compounding can really turbocharge people's investments over time. Yeah, I mean, what people don't realize, when you first start out, compounding uh, is a blessing, but it's also a curse for younger people or people with not much money because you don't get a benefit of compounding, which is the ability to earn money on the money that you've earned. So in very simple terms, if you've a thousand pounds and it grows by a hundred, you then got eleven hundred pounds that can grow by another sort of 10 or 12 or whatever it is percent. And it grows on each other. So it builds on itself. But when you're just starting out on your savings journey or you have very modest amounts of money, it's what you add to the pot that makes the biggest difference, which is why a lot of younger people or people with modest wealth that sort of get a bit sort of um, perhaps um, frustrated that their money's not moving quick enough. But once you've built some money, once you're starting to get to a certain level, and it, it does depend sort of 10, 15, 20, 25 years, you start to have more contribution to the growth of your portfolio comes from investment returns and less comes from what you add to the pot. 
So when you're young, it's what you put in that matters most. And as you get your pot bigger and you've been uh, saving for a longer time, it's the investment returns that matter. Well, time in the market, as they say, is better than timing um, in the market. But nevertheless, (laughs) we're only human. And choppy markets like we're experiencing at the moment can cause investors to make emotional reactions. Yeah, um, it can do for those that have built wealth. So if you're someone who's, who's built some wealth, then you're going to be more sensitive to movements of that money going up and down. The only thing you can do there is control how much, you, how much you're withdrawing from it if you're living off it. Um, but when you're younger, it doesn't really matter. In fact, when markets fall or when markets are very volatile, you'll benefit from something called pounds cost averaging. So the average cost of the investment should be less than the average price of the investment. So when you're young, you should celebrate when markets fall uh, and when we're going through very volatile times, because it means that you're buying investments for your long-term future at a discount. And who doesn't like a deal? Who doesn't like a nice discount? Well, exactly. It might cheer us all up, uh, depending on what markets do with the latest twists and turns of the Brexit negotiations. But finally, Jason, before we let you go, um, tell us how we can all improve our personal relationship with money. Well, I think, as I, as I say, you, you've seen me probably speak before, you know, there's this thing of, you know, just love you and leave you, or are you soulmates? And, and getting to become a soulmate with money is, I think, really about being honest with yourself about the role of money in your life and working out how much is enough. And, and that really just comes from asking yourself one simple question and thinking it through. What is important about money to me, truly? And if you can get honest with yourself about the role of money and what a good life looks like, as opposed to the goods life, then I think you were halfway there. It's being honest with yourself and continually standing back and saying, am I being played by the consumer society that we live in or am I living a life with true values where money's in perspective and I'm mastering money, it's not mastering me? Well, thanks very much there, as always, to Jason Butler. You can read Jason's column, Stick to Your ISA Strategy Now, on ft.com slash nextact, our free content hub for readers in later life. If this has inspired you to get your finances in order, you might be interested in our next reader event, Routes to Retirement, Financial Planning for Later Life. To be held in the City of London on the evening of Monday, the 29th of April, it will be chaired by me and contain a panel of FT experts. Tickets cost £35 and include drinks and canapes, too, if you arrive early. Full terms and conditions are available online now. Auto book tickets, go to ft.com slash money event. Alongside a long-term investment strategy, do you also have a long-term property strategy? More and more of us are relying on the equity held within our homes to turbocharge our retirement, but that's assuming you can successfully downsize when the time comes. I'm joined in the studio now by Lindsay Cook, our Money Mentor columnist, who has been writing about the plight of last-time buyers. Welcome, Lindsay. Good morning. So first-time buyers and those who build houses for them to purchase certainly get a lot of government support at the moment, don't they? Absolutely. There's no stamp duty under 300,000. Help to buy allows um, first-time buyers um, with only a 5% deposit uh, to get an equity loan of up to 40% from the government for five years. No no interest to pay. Um, there's um, help to buy ISAs. There's lifetime ISAs. And these give... Um, up to £1,000 free bonus a year. Um, There's lots going on and the builders have done very well out of it. Some have um, made sales of a billion plus and uh, very big um, dividends for themselves as well. So 
Would a tax break aimed at the wealthier end of the property ladder, those with large family homes, for instance, who are looking to step down a rung or two, prove too controversial? Well, I'm sure you could put limits on it so that the wealthier people didn't benefit. And there is this myth that all baby boomers have an absolute fortune stashed away. Mm. Um, a lot of them now, people ret- coming up to retirement now, are on defined contribution pensions and they're getting much less than they were expecting. Some of them are, are drawing equity out of their properties just to get a decent standard of living. And so I don't think if, if there are proper controls so that, um, say, somebody who is downsizing um, sells to a, a young family or something like that, then there could be stamp duty initiatives. Um, it's also the fact that um, the costs of um, estate agents and other things add to the um, the change and there aren't enough properties that are suitable for somebody who wants a home that is big enough so that they can live in it without going stir-crazy and um, occasionally have their family to visit. Well, this is one of the big problems. People want to stay in the same area but complain that there's a lack of suitable properties for them to downsize into. So how could the government perhaps persuade the house builders to build a different kind of product? I don't know how they're going to do it, but um, if there is only a market for this different type of product, uh, the ideal would be if builders were to uh, produce new homes that were suitable for all ages, that would um, help people who have to get buggies in, so they're not going up three flights of stairs with a buggy, but also useful for people who in later life need a wheelchair. Um, There are lots of things that can be done, bathrooms, all of them, make them so that you don't have to move just because you can't get around so so sprightly. And also, if people are comfortable in their homes, they won't need to go to a care home if it's safe for them. But if you're in a, a place that's got lots of staircases and isn't safe, then they have to move and... Or pay a fortune to have it adapted. Absolutely. So is there a danger here that if the government does nothing at all people will just stay put, not downsize. Well, there seems to be evidence that um, a lot of people think about it but don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get into your 70s and you haven't moved, the chances of you doing it um, become less. Now, there is another thought, and that is making the bigger homes multi-generational. If um, family move in with mum or dad... Um, and have their own self-contained place. I was speaking to somebody at a conference the other day, and you know that's exactly what they've done, and more people are doing it. If you've got a bigger house, you don't have to be in each other's pockets, but you can look after each other. Yes, exactly. And grandparents can look after the grandchildren. Another financial benefit to the multi-generational household. Absolutely. Well, thanks very much there to Lindsay Cook. Lindsay, of course, is one of the speakers at FT Money's Roots to Retirement event, which I mentioned next month. See ft.com slash money event for more details on that. And her article, The Last Time Buyers, is also available to read now for free on ft.com slash nextact, our content hub for those in later life. Picture the scene. You're in a bar in London, a real hipster joint where most of the men have beards. Standing at the bar, you're trying to get served. 
This is where Jane Owen, FT Money's new columnist, found herself a few weeks ago, and she's here now to tell us what happened next. Welcome, Jane. Thank you, Claire, very much. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's happened to, I hope it's happened to other people too, but there I was, and okay, I was in pearls, possibly not the grooviest thing to wear in the whole world, but and I was surrounded by people who were seriously cool, and I wasn't. But nevertheless, I, I had the filthy lucre ready to buy these ridiculous cocktails. Uh, I can tell you all about them another time. But this guy would not give me eye contact, let alone serve me. And I tried everything, um, flashing my wallet, jumping up and down, coughing at Jeeves like the lot. Just didn't work. And so it got me thinking more and more about this invisibility as you get older and particularly as um, a woman. And then I thought, well, who's... Who's managed to vault through this? Um, who are the women who remained pretty visible despite being ancient? And I suddenly thought the obvious example is Ruth Ginsburg, you know, the film about mm. her at the moment. Um, it's a remarkable woman. So you just have to be a Supreme Court justice, easy peasy. Um, and then you move on to the great uh, philanthropist, um, Bunny Mellon, uh, who, who died a, a few years ago. And she was not only sensationally rich in her own right, but she married Paul Mellon. And so between them, they had this extraordinary um, philanthropic pull and they, they, they dicted it out everywhere. So you see that name everywhere, which is a good start. But also, um, she dressed very, very beautifully. And it was because she used the best designers in the world. And, um, you know, these are all things which are powered by money. Um, and then who else? Well, there's there's the other philanthropist, Steve Shirley. And so it's just a matter of uh, starting a software company in the 1950s and giving away, you know, 67 million quid. So I'm, I'm working on that, Claire. But as, <laughs> as I said to you when we first discussed this, po- this column, I am actually innumerate. I am terrified of money. So it's going to be very interesting writing this column. So you think that women become invisible when they get over a certain age. That was your experience um, at the bar. But I'm going to ask you, do you think that this could also apply to men of a certain age or is it particularly females? I think it's particularly female. And I'm afraid that, you know, as as you know, at the FT, we try very, very hard to, to watch um, all the gender issues and all the rest. And I think by and large, we do very well. But very often you go through the paper and online and in the actual paper and you see lots of pictures of ancient men, but very few of ancient women other than possibly Christine Lagarde, who is so stunning that, you know, it's, it's, her, her age is almost irrelevant. And there are a couple of ex- other examples like that. And so I think, yes, I think it does apply at the moment more to women than to men. And it's sort of obvious, you know, uh, men have been in the position of power, i.e. money, uh, far longer than women. And that has become a great attractor. And so, no surprise, I suppose. But I think it's interesting watching how subtly a lot of these prejudices appear. And that's why I'm asking readers to write in and tell their experiences of that ageing, particularly as women, but men too, um, every gender. I'd like to hear how people are experiencing it. Well, because certainly as we get older... We generally have more money because we've been saving it all up um, for our, our retirement. So we decided to call your column in FT Money Old Money because it's a funny name. But you're going to write about the various ways that your finances change in later life. So, I mean, this week it's been about the experience of, of spending money or trying to spend money. But you're also rethinking how you earn money and what we mean by retirement. And as you mentioned earlier, the desire to 
to give money away. All of these will be covered in future old monies. It will. And just going back to the influence for a moment of women um, and how that has worked over the years, the very cornerstone of Western thinking, i.e. Socrates, it has just been revealed in a book called Socrates in Love, was actually channeled by a woman. I suggest you read the book. It's extraordinarily interesting and I think it will change our view of how women um, think uh, today. That's it from The Money Show this week. If you want to get in touch with me or our team of experts, you can email us money at ft.com or follow us on Twitter for the latest news at FT Money. We'll be back next week at the usual time. Goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.